are listening to You, Me, and an Album, episode 133. I'm Al Melchior. When I listen to him, he like reminds me of why I like to play music in the first place and like express myself, which is like, obviously music is a language. It's a form of expression. And, you know, words are words and music are, are ways we connect with other humans. But I just listening to him, he feels like pure to me. That was Maura Weaver talking about Elliot Smith's 1995 self-titled album. Maura was a singer and vocalist in the Cincinnati-based pop-punk band Mixtapes and in the duo Ogikubo Station, and she just released her first solo album, I Was Due for a Heartbreak, on September 15th on Don Giovanni Records. Maura, thank you so much. During, I'm sure what's a very busy time for you right now, uh, taking a little time out to talk about uh, an album on here, and welcome to You, Me, and an Album. Thank you. Th- thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been kind of a, a crazy week, but you know the album release week right and and uh yeah so just to clarify we're talking here the album hasn't actually been released yet but uh it'll take me a few days to edit this so by the time you all are hearing this you can get the album yeah it's (laughs) true okay i'm gonna pretend like it's out that's right talk about it like it's out yeah how was the release how did that go um it was great everything was perfect (laughs) everyone loved it (laughs) Uh, I'm the New sure York they Times did. said best album of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we will talk about that great album uh, a little bit later on in the show, but we are here mostly to talk about Elliot Smith. And so I'll, I'll ask you the usual stuff that I ask folks that come on here in terms of when you first heard it, first reaction, all that sort of thing. But I, I do want to preface this whole conversation by talking a little bit about um, why I'm really glad we're talking about this album. Because uh, for those who, who are have been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, if not from things I've actually said on here, maybe by some of the guests, uh, you would know that I've gotten really deep in a uh, Portland indie music rabbit hole. Uh, Sam Coombs has been on the show. Neil Gust. Um, so I mean, I'm sick. sure. I'm, yeah. So um, I've just been deep in that rabbit hole for about three years. And no matter where I go, Slater Kinney, Quasi, number two, it always comes back to Elliot Smith. Oh, yeah. And I have not been able to get into Elliot Smith. And this I is a particular album. I really haven't. I, I don't think I'd ever listened to it all the way through. So um, mm-hmm. it's certainly fair game for this podcast. But even ones like XO uh, and Either War that I've spent a little bit more time on, I, I Just, probably would have no recall of any of those songs. Yeah, it's just doesn't it hasn't stuck with you you'd say it hasn't so i've yeah. had to get a little more intensive <laughs> with elliot smith this past week uh so I, but i'm really you know, very curious to hear about your your experiences with the album so let's let's dig right into that um so where did you first encounter this album so i first got into elliot smith when i was like 14 or 15 um through friends um i I can't remember it well it was my first boyfriend at the time he was in elliot smith and he got me into the song angelus and i just remember being like blown away by it because like the chord progressions are well first of all it's like a really difficult song to play on guitar and a very beautiful and intricate like um finger picking pattern someone's always coming around here 
trailing Sonic Hill Says I've seen your picture on a hundred dollar but just the lyrics and the melodies, I was just like obsessed with it. And that's obviously not on this record, but I dove into some of his hits per se. And <laughs> Needle in the Hay was one of the first ones that I got really into. Um, and I don't know, I just I, I had never heard anything quite like it before. Touching this dirty retreat, falling out, six in pallet, dead sweat in my teeth. Because it was, it, you know, it's melancholy music, but it's also like very vivid imagery and pop. It's like poppy also at times. Like this album, not as much as some other records of his, but mm-hmm. like. You know, it's just such a, I, I just never heard anything like it. And I didn't really listen to much music that was also, would be classified as lo-fi at the time either. So, yeah, I just, I got pretty into the album, but I didn't, I was like more of a, he was really influential on me when I was a teenager. Um, Like, songwriting-wise and just like what I was into. Um he was really influential on me in that department but like i what there was like a period where i wasn't listening to him as much and you know when i was playing in more like pop punk bands i guess and stuff like that i just i kind of like drifted away from it but as i had grown older i just keep coming back to his catalog like over and over again and like delving more into specific records and just like he's like maybe become like my favorite artist which is wild to even say because i've never felt like i had like a favorite musician you know but yeah yeah, he just but this album specifically was the first one of his that i got like heavily into so so this one has like a special place in my heart um and it's just it's i also tend to like records that are like the record before the like the bigger record oh yeah in this case would be either or like i always think that's like an interesting period in a musician's career just because a lot of times it's like maybe it's a little bit more raw or like some things are feel like they're being workshopped before that more polished record but there's like to me there's more like interesting elements going on sometimes i mean i love either or so much but Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's an interesting thing that you raise about this album in terms of it's his second album and definitely, uh, yeah, a, a big change in terms of his visibility after this album. Uh, just thinking back to, you know, bands that I like and how, yeah, that's a really cool space when it's the album or the period right before they break out and you can hear the germs of sort of what they're going to become. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that that's a really cool thing in a discography. So I, I totally get that that makes this album a little bit more special. Yeah. It's just like not, you know, he was still recording it himself for the most part. And you can mm-hmm. tell. And I like that element of it. Like, I like the the imperfect wonkiness and like hissing sounds and stuff like that. I think it it lends it a certain mood. <laughs> 
Well, and I, I think that's that element of this album is part of what I think made it a little less accessible for me. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. I, I came around. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, kind of put the spoiler out right here. I did eventually come around to this that's album. That's what I want to know. Yeah. I, I don't know if you, if you let your feelings be known later on in the interview or you usually, but I was like, I am so curious what you thought, <laughs> what your experience was delving into this record, not really like feeling his. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't have like a particular you know formula or anything in terms of when I talk about my experience with it. I kind of, I, I prefer to kind of hold back on that just because I want to make sure that I get why this is such a special album for whoever the guest is, but mm-hmm. uh, it, I'll, yeah, I'll, I, I have a few questions, but I'll, I'll definitely want to talk about that, but I'll just preface that by saying, yeah, it was real. It was a process and I wasn't yeah. sure I was going to get to a point where I felt like I, <laughs> I really got it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I feel that. Uh, but I, sure. I, I just, I don't want to lose um, a, yes. a train of thought here that I have. Cause you were talking about how, you first heard this uh, when you were a teenager and you said Mm -hmm. your boyfriend introduced you to it and Mm -hmm. you hadn't really been listening to much lo-fi music. So what was, what were you typically listening to around that time? And what was that like? Was there a kind of warming up period for you to get used to the more lo-fi sound? Yeah, I, I mean, so I, when I first got into playing music and like started playing guitar and stuff i was getting into punk when i was like 12 13 and that was a bomb dropping in my life that you know just changed everything about my life for better for worse but like so it's not like i wasn't listening to music that was considered lo-fi but i went through a period where i was just like really into punk and hardcore and then and then I, but I also like what was popular at the time, which was like Fallout Boy and like Panic at the Disco, you know, this was like 2005, 2006. Okay. So I was like simultaneously into punk, which Green Day got me into punk. Um, but I went down like a rabbit hole and it was like Bad Brains, Gorilla Biscuits, like Minor Threat, all of that stuff. Then I was listening to like emo, kind of like music, more modern emo. And then I was was getting into kind of like more indie music I guess like um like a lot of the stuff that was popular at the time like Death Cab uh Iron and Wine Postal Service like you know uh Jenny Lewis stuff like that um I had like a group of friends that were more into that kind of music and I hadn't really had much experience with that before and they like kind of got me into it and you know Elliot Smith was one of the musicians that like kind of came into my world through those people um but he was like out of all those like indie musicians he was the most like unpolished and lo-fi of all the artists that I had gotten into at that time and it was kind of like a bit of a you know, it took a tiny bit of time for me to warm up to it. I think just because like, it's hard for me to remember my exact first impression because this was a long time ago, but I think I remember like not getting it at first and just thinking it was kind of like 
too it wasn't like melodic enough for me or it wasn't like it didn't have enough of a pop sensibility and it was a little too like harsh sounding recording wise but you know it's funny because since then i i feel like i've gone through many periods with music where like i'm really focused on the actual like songwriting and i kind of even though i like the aesthetic of a track or a band i I try to like see through the aesthetic to like the actual just like the song itself like if you stripped all the elements away like what would be left and I'm always like is that a good song and there's a lot of bands I like that have terrible recordings but I love them because I can hear that songwriting there you know Mm -hmm. um and obviously I'll grow to like that uh production but but I I don't know I think I since then I usually go through there's always a period with a band where at first I might be like ah, I don't know about this and then I get like really into it that's that's also kind of like a pattern for me I think but especially with artists who the production might be a little bit more scrappy you know yeah well and I I have that experience uh with a lot of bands too um it, but it, it certainly it this podcast sort of helps me with having the patience to you know, get through those first two, three, four listens, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. even more mm-hmm. uh, to, to kind of get past the things in the production that are unfamiliar, or uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I definitely relate to the process that you're, you're describing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you had said something about how you, you do hear pop elements in this Elliot Smith album. Mm-hmm. And yet you just acknowledge that it's not, it's not that poppy. And that was the thing is that I, 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 like to understand better what you mean about the pop elements, because I think I, I hear some of that in the melodies, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just that yeah, to me, it is a very kind of straightforward album. I, I'm going to, I'm going to walk that back because it's not that straightforward. I mean, the, the more I listen to it, the more I could appreciate the complexity mm-hmm. and uh, sort of the unusualness of some of the, the guitar parts, but um, it's, especially at first listen, it's like, okay, this is, this is just a guy on an acoustic guitar. And actually I'll tell you what one of my first uh, impressions of it was. I said, this kind of sounds like what a Kurt Cobain solo acoustic album would sound like. I can see um, that for sure. Yeah. Which you would think that that's a great thing, right? Um, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that is such absolutely. a thing existed, I would, I would probably love that, but yeah, there, there was just something, maybe just kind of the lack of hookiness or something that, mm-hmm put it in the category for the first several listens of, I appreciate what's, what's going on here. The lyrics are really thoughtful and really good. And like you said, evocative, um, there's some very cool things going on with guitar, but it's, I'm not making a connection with it yet. Yeah. I think when I say poppy, I think I, I mean more like, like hooky, maybe, you know, honestly, Nirvana is kind of a good comparison. where nirvana is more poppy and accessible i guess um but i don't know there's like i'm trying to think i mean even just the way he songwrites like he uses he doesn't really ever use just like plain major or minor chords there's always like in addition to it that makes it sound a little disjointed and weird and maybe off kilter but the thing that's kind of amazing to me about his 
playing and his songwriting is that like you don't notice as much especially if you're not paying attention to that stuff i feel like it it can still like there's still a discernible like melody that i'm humming that can kind of get stuck in my head like um but i also realize that i've listened to these songs so much that like they're just in my brain you know yeah like when I, cause you know, I've, I've listened to this album a lot and I know it really, really well. And I, but I was like, I'm going to listen to it, you know, this week before the podcast. And I, there's just, it's like, I don't even, it's one of those albums where like, sometimes I won't even know what the name of the song is because I just know the, the song. So what, like the second it comes in, it just feels like, I don't know. I'm I'm doing not a great job of describing this, but like single file, that one always gets in my head. Like it's like single file. You know, he has like there's some Beatle-esque melodies in his songwriting to me, but it just I don't think it's as obvious right away because a lot of times he's it's more about the mood he's evoking through his playing and stuff. Single file. I think if he really wanted to do a full-on Beatles rip, he could. Just because, I mean, even, like, he's, like, a huge Beatles fan, and Figure 8 and, like, XO have more of that, like, influence in there, I think. It's more obvious just because the production is really expansive and interesting, and there's, like, almost, like, different worlds in each song, you know? kind of in a way that the the Beatles later era stuff kind of did. But to me there's some really catchy songs on here. But it's not in the a typical pop songwriting way to me you know like it's not the obvious thing but he still makes it like the melodicism kind of like comes through you know yeah well and i i will agree single file is probably one of those songs that after a listener two became just recognizable to me and mm -hmm. uh, maybe fall short of being an earworm but uh mm -hmm. it, it's definitely got a a good melody to it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I'll go a little more into the process here. Cause it's going to, I think help me to kind of reinforce what you're saying about this album. Mm -hmm. So first couple of times I listened to it, like I said, I, I was just more focused on kind of the sonic palette and like, okay, there's, there's vocals, there's acoustic guitar. There's, there's a you know, few other things there, but it's mostly that's, that's what it is. And then on top of that, it's Elliot Smith's vocals, which are very, you know, kind of whispery, mm -hmm. uh, which took, took me some i would say took me some getting used to but i am somewhat familiar with with um with heat miser so it's it's not that oh I, yeah you know, don't mm -hmm. don't know his vocals but <laughs> um but then the more that i listened to it i started to appreciate like i said the uniqueness of of his guitar playing uh got more into the lyrics 
um, was maybe less distracted by his vocal style. But the thing that really kind of unlocked this album for me was mm-hmm. finding out that there's a heat miser version of Christian brothers. Oh yeah. It's so good too. It's so good. Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah, and that was a track on this album that the first four times I listened to it, uh, yeah, I thought the guitar was kind of cool, but definitely did not feel like a standout track to me. Mm-hmm. And then I heard that version and just instantly I'm like, oh, this is great. This is a great song. And then I could go back yeah. to Elliot Smith's solo version and be like, oh, okay, I was really underappreciating this. This is yeah. a great melody. It's mm-hmm. a really good song. Apparently, I mean, it's one of those songs that apparently is just the good songwriting gives it some appeal because Queens of the Stone Age has done a cover of it. Yeah. There's a cello cover of it. No bad dream fuckers gonna boss me around. Christian brothers gonna take him down. But I can't help me get over. Don't be cross it. Take I want. Just listening through literally four times the album front to back mm-hmm. that was not a song that i thought oh, okay here's a song that's really going to connect with a lot of people and people yeah are yeah cover it to me it was very interesting that i needed to have one of these songs put in a more straightforward rock and roll context for me to appreciate it but then once that was unlocked for me then i could appreciate the whole album yeah and i wish that wasn't the case but i guess you get to it however you can get to it and for me, I had to hear one of the songs as a, as a rock and roll song. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me just because like, you know, obviously everybody has completely different music tastes and there are a lot of things that we find in common. But like, like for me, this album makes a lot of sense as one of my favorite albums, like anyone who knows me and like a lot of the stuff I listen to. But it's and obviously people like love Elliot Smith, like he's a huge He's a huge artist, but it's like surprising the people he's influenced, the musicians he's influenced. And also that's kind of draws back to the point that I was making about like songwriting and what I find so interesting about, about songwriting. And especially like, I don't know if this can, his music can really be classified as pop songwriting, like how he would think of it, but you know, you can take those songs and put them in a different context and it sounds, it sounds good. You know what I mean? Like you're like, 
oh, okay, now I, I'm hearing this in a different way, you know? And I think he's one of those artists that a lot of it's, he's like that for a lot of people. Like they, they might hear like a cover first or something. And, mm-hmm. and like, because he doesn't have a stereotypically like, um, you know, beautiful voice per se. Like, I feel like he's kind of known as like, not a great singer, even though I love his vocals. It's like, and for a lot of people, that element and the production is like hard to get get past to get mm-hmm. through to like the content and the melodies and stuff you know um but i feel like i had yeah my entry point actually now that i'm thinking about it it's funny because angels was the first song i really loved by him and like i feel like my first boyfriend might have done a cover of it <laughs> <laughs> Like, and that might be how I got into it. Interesting. I, I, this might be wrong, but I feel like this is kind of like coming back to me. And, um, you know, God, if I'm glad I'm like, I don't think he would ever listen to this podcast because he'd probably be like mortified and be like, why are you talking about this? <laughs> don't bring that up, that YouTube hole. But yeah, uh, yeah, I totally think he's kind of one of those artists, though, where it's. I I also think I ne- obviously I never got to see him live. Like he he died before I was able to, to see him or was into his music. But like, he's like also one of those live performers that I've heard a lot of people say that like. Yeah, he's really shaky and quiet, kind of nervous, but when people would see him play the room and they start paying attention, the room would be like completely dead silent, like pin drop silent. Cause I think people would just be like, they just see a guy with an acoustic guitar and they're just like, Oh God, you know, (laughs) what's this going to be? Which I feel like that half the time too. (laughs) But then he's just like playing these, like almost, I never really like had noticed it wasn't easy for me to notice at first, like the blues influence in his finger picking style, like Mm -hmm. almost like Mississippi, John Hurt, Elizabeth Cotton type finger picking and like classical guitar finger picking, like, like stuff that's like, I don't know if, do you play guitar? Uh, I I haven't picked, I've got one. I haven't picked it up in probably three years. So I was going to say just his, I feel like being a guitarist and like trying to learn one of his songs, you like gain a new appreciation also for his music. Cause like, I'm not somebody who cares a ton about like how musically proficient someone is. Like I care more about like the songwriting and like, et cetera, et cetera. But like just the way that he's able to play a melody over top of a finger picked rhythm part is so intricate and like wild like there's i've always tried to learn his songs on guitar and there's specific ones that i've been able to nail down that are a little bit easier ones Mm -hmm. but like most of them are so hard (laughs) like like all my friends who are one of my friends he's like not really into elliot smith but he's like an amazing guitar player and he's like he's like i bet i could learn it like just you know just let me listen to it and learn it. And I was like, I'm telling you, you think that. 
And you're going to hear it and be like, what the hell's going on when you try to learn it? And that completely happened. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> um, yeah, this is actually kind of, kind of like wild. And I'm like, dude, I know it's like an anomaly. I'm like, how I've just never heard somebody playing that kind of guitar with the kind of like melodies he's doing in the lyrical content. That's like really dark, you know, it's just like, I really just think he's like a singular <clears throat> artist in that way. But yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it took me several listens to just start to get a hint of that because I had that initial impression of like, okay, it's a, it's a guy doing an acoustic album, you know, mm-hmm. been, been here, done this, but mm-hmm. it's not that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to get back to what you were saying. Uh, are, are there uh, songs on this album or maybe just on other Elliot Smith albums that you think would be really cool to cover? Yes. Yeah, so I learned needle in the hay a really long time ago. Cause that one's a little bit, that one's easier to learn. Um, Coming Up Roses is one that I've learned before, and I love that one. That might be my, I don't know if it's my favorite, but the lyrics to me are just like some of the most beautiful lyrics I've ever heard. Like they're just so, there's so much vivid imagery and it's really influenced my like lyric writing. The moon is a sickle cell. It'll kill you in time. Also, St. Ides Heaven. I love that song. And I have one of my exes actually would, when he toured, he would cover that and I would like harmonize with him sometimes. So it's it's like I've kind of covered it. Yeah, in that situation. (laughs) Yeah. I was trying. I was trying my best. It's funny, too, because I feel like me as a musician, a lot of people might not expect me to, like, really gravitate towards Elliot Smith if they listen to, like, mixtapes, like my oldest band or Ogi Kubo Station. It's not, it does not really sound like there's a through line, I think, just because mixtapes, it was, like, really pop punk and very poppy. And But like I was saying, it's been like an interesting journey where I, this is something I like grew up with and I keep coming back to it. And a lot of the songs that I wrote for this album that has come out by the time this podcast comes out (laughs) um, are like, I am kind of, when I started writing these songs, I was like, I'm kind of writing how I wrote when I was a teenager, which was more influenced by like, like Elliot Smith and like, um, like honestly, like Sufjan Stevens and stuff like that. Um, so I think it, I think the influence would be more obvious on my, my newest record, but a lot of the other ones, it's like kind of maybe that it seems out of left field that he's like my favorite, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah and I will admit uh, in listening to some mixtapes uh, this past week and, you saying, you know, in email that you're picking this album because it's it's very influential for you and thinking, okay, where, yeah, where is the through line? Because yeah. <laughs> I hear Green Day, I hear Blink-182, I'm not hearing Elliot Smith. Yeah, you wouldn't. But 
I also, when I did mixtapes, I was, we started the band when I was like 17 or 18 and it ended when I was like 21. So, and I'm like about to be 32 now. So like, you know, I also love pop punk and I like went through a period where me and Ryan, like, you know, that's just what we were trying to write in that band. And I had more like indie folk tendencies, but I think I was kind of embarrassed about that for a period because I was like delving more into like the DIY punk scene in Cincinnati and trying to write more like poppy punk songs. And, and at the time the people I was around, it was like lame to like indie, like folk type stuff you know so i think i was kind of like almost embarrassed that that was how my songwriting style kind of was because before i joined mixtapes i actually had written a lot of solo songs that i had recorded that were like sound way more like like i was saying like what i'm writing now and more indebted to like elliot smith per se than than mixtapes but when i started playing with ryan i tried to kind of like tamp down that influence i guess but yeah that, that would have been tough to pull off i think to yes integrate mm-hmm. that into to what you you wound up doing uh with those albums mm-hmm. um so i, I want to talk a bit about and this relates very tangentially to what, what you're talking about now um in terms of the kind of the mood of this elliot smith album because it's it's so dark yeah and again i don't have great familiarity with the rest of his his discography, but from what I read and from the little bit that I do know, I mean, this definitely seems to be probably the the darkest corner of his discography. And Mm -hmm. so while I got to a point where I not only appreciated this album a lot more, but really got to start liking it, I don't know how much I'm going to go back to it because it's, he takes you to a, just a tough place to be. So for sure, how does that play for you? Because from from everything you've indicated i mean this is an album that sounds like you go to a lot and you've been listening to for a very long time i mean do you have to take a break from it sometimes or uh does it is it just satisfying uh without or maybe in spite of the heaviness so this is something i've tried to explain to some of my friends before (laughs) because every year on spotify i am always in like the top 0.5 percent of elliot smith listener (laughs) (laughs) and i've used that to kind of like as a joke before where i'm just like yeah i'm totally like normal you know i'm totally mentally mentally well i'm in the top 0.5 percent of elliot smith listeners every year that's totally fine but what i was gonna say really is that like I don't know what it is and I don't know if it's because I like grew up listening to his music, but it like doesn't make me feel sad like at all. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, sometimes if I'm in a sad headspace, I'll put it on. But when I do that, it always kind of like comforts me, I think. And to me, it feels like very comforting music. Um, I think 
just because it's really dark. The content is dark, but there's a lot of like, like I was saying, there's a lot of like really beautiful and poetic like imagery in the songs that to me, I just like, I just gravitate towards it. Um, and it puts me in a certain headspace that usually like feels good to me, <laughs> but it just seems funny. Cause it's like, you know, a lot of the lyrics are about like heroin and like, you know, alcoholism and stuff, even though I think when he was writing this record, he was not using heroin at this point and hadn't. And um, that actually was really interesting to me when I learned that just because a lot of the songs kind of allude to allude to heroin. I mean, Needle in the Hay, obviously, is a big one. Um, but a lot Lately, of the songs... Loves you more. Yeah, like, a, a lot of the songs are. And he kind of said after the fact that, like, he was using images of addiction and, and like, dark images like that to express, you know, something else and um, more, like, just general, like, dependency in relationships and stuff. Keep your things in a place meant to hide I know we're there somewhere And I know that's where you'll go tonight I'll be thrown over Just like before the white lady loves you more. And I think probably in a way was trying to deal with some of his depression and trauma um, that he felt when he was a kid. Because there's definitely songs on here that I'm, I think, allude to like his stepfather who was abusive and stuff like that. And I think for me also, like growing up, in a family where like, like I'm getting really personal here, but in a family where like alcoholism is a big problem and like mental health issues, like, like there's a lot of dark stuff in my family. And I think, I think I just feel really like seen by his lyrical content and stuff, you know, um, which he does tend to like, at times he's kind of, his outlook isn't necessarily like it's it's definitely not an optimistic outlook you know if you're trying yeah. to find some sort of outlook or message in it but but i kind of like that he's just talking about relationships he has with people and like stuff like that and and it's really um it's not very like the lyrics aren't really that straightforward like some of them are more than others but a lot of it is just really like um disquieting imagery i guess i'd say mm -hmm. and i don't know yeah for for some reason though his his music makes me feel it it makes me feel just like peaceful in a strange way um but i go through periods with like different records like his more full band ones are definitely more like if i'm feeling really like happy i'd put on some songs from that but you know, I don't know. I like sad songs, though. I, I just gravitate towards towards sad music a lot of times. 
I, I do too. And, mm-hmm. but I, I really appreciate what you just shared. And I thought a lot about what possibly makes the difference in how music hits people. Because like I said, I listened to this album over and over and just couldn't, couldn't quite connect with it initially. And then to hear it, you know, presented in a rock and roll song, you know, you're one of the tracks mm-hmm. presented that way, made it accessible to me, but I do like sad songs, but, um, it's like a certain flavor of sadness and to get back to his vocals it's not so much like you had said maybe he doesn't have the greatest voice it's not that i i think of him as a bad vocalist at all Mm -hmm. it's that there's something kind of unsettling i was gonna say unhinged but that's that's way too strong of a word Mm -hmm. but definitely something unsettling about his vocalizations yes yes that makes him really difficult for me to listen to, mm-hmm. especially initially. And then after listening to the album a bunch of times, I got sort of desensitized. Mm-hmm. But so I can get where not just the words, which again, the, the lyrics are are beautiful in mm-hmm. a lot of places, mm-hmm. but I could get how the lyrics themselves, his delivery of them, the sonic landscape he creates with his guitar, how all of that, creates a feeling you can relate to and it's just that's just not my my experience Mm -hmm. it doesn't make me feel seen in the same way Mm -hmm. um but there's music that what you described yeah uh you know there's music that definitely fits that description for me Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean like yeah his voice uh yeah i definitely think it's it's an extreme representation of like vulnerability almost because he he almost sounds like like scared to sing and you know a lot of the first recordings yeah. he did were he didn't plan on anyone hearing them he just was like recording songs on a four track in the basement and you know i think his vocal delivery you can hear hear that you can hear that like trepidation and that like nervousness and and it totally makes sense to me that it might not be it's probably not easy to listen to for a lot of people and especially like I think vocals are very if you I don't know that can be a really difficult thing to get past like if you don't vibe with someone's vocal style like I, for example, I love the Hold Steady so much. I don't know if you're a Hold Steady fan. I'm not but, too familiar with them. So what I've heard is, yeah, I haven't okay. really connected with. They're a band, though, that a lot of my friends, like, hate. Like, they actually hate them because of his voice. Yeah, but, like, I can see it. I love his voice. But like I was saying, I, I think I, there's something about, like, straight, like, strange vocals i think that i really like um because i also i've gotten a lot better at singing as i've gotten older and i took vocal lessons and stuff like that but when i first started singing i was like so unbelievably nervous and shy and like petrified and i still feel like that a lot of the time like i've never considered myself like a great vocalist per se I've always kind of felt like uncomfortable with singing but it's something I enjoy doing and and it's like a part of playing music that I've grown accustomed to and like 
Um, but I think that's like another thing that I also relate to is I'm like, I know what it's like to be like so uncomfortable that you are shaking and you can barely play because that's happened to me where I've like was playing solo and I actually just like had a panic attack and I couldn't play like, Oh my goodness. Luckily that doesn't happen to me anymore, but it has happened to me. <laughs> so, so, you know, watching him feeling really uncomfortable, I'm like, I'm like, I can't, it's so like amazing to me that someone like him got so popular and like so many people, he speaks to so many people just because like, it's just, it, it like brings me joy, even though for him, that was kind of, he had a problem with the limelight, but he also like wanted it in ways, you know, that kind of push and yeah. pull, I think. But it seems like he more so wanted to be left alone kind of, and just make songs. Um, which I also like because some musicians, I think just, it's really easy to get caught up in, how people are going to receive things and like the pressure and like all the stuff like that. And when I listen to him, he like reminds me of why I like to play music in the first place and like express myself, which is like, obviously music is a language. It's a form of expression and, you know, words are words and music are, are ways we connect with other humans. But I just, listening to him he feels like pure to me and i i think that that's in uh, it's an unfair unrealistic characterization of a real person that i will never know because he is dead but like when i hear his music it just reminds me of like just hearing someone being that vulnerable and like by themselves in their room basically making this kind of music it like it just brings me to a place where i feel inspired to like to keep writing my own songs and stuff like I'm like even if nobody hears them it's like at the end of the day I just want to like what I'm making and it just can be so easy and I've done this before just getting caught up in all the other like bullshit basically just like well are people gonna like like this or if I do this style or like maybe I should have done this before and like more people would look like just things like that where it's just like that stuff takes me away from what I love about playing music. Um, but like listening to listening to like Elliot Smith, for example, makes me it just makes me feel like I'm just in like an intimate sort of peaceful kind of zone. I don't know. Um, it's kind of strange to describe, but I I think I understand exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And um, this may be not a, definitely is not a perfect uh, example of this, but just last week I went and saw Quasi. So oh, that's there's awesome. a relationship here. Yeah. And it, it, it's the second time I've seen them this year. And so they're not, they're not quiet, but yeah. um, they have just such a way of creating an intimate connection with the audience. Uh-huh. And I find it hard to describe, but they're so locked in with each other, uh, mm -hmm. Sam and Janet. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can tell they're they're doing it. They're they they're creating their own synergy and service of creating the show for us. Yes. And so 
when you were talking about how you feel when you listen to Elliot Smith. Again, not the quiet and solitude aspect of it, but in terms of appreciating how someone is going about their craft mm-hmm. in such an authentic, real way. Yeah, it can make you really like love and latch onto that artist in a way where you're like rooting for them, even if you don't know yeah. them. You know, it's just like in experiencing that live too, I think, and like the relationship people have with the audience and just like each other, the other band members. And I don't know, it can create a special type of atmosphere that is like indescribable which i love that you got to see i would love to see them i've never seen them oh yeah go i if bet you it can. was awesome yeah it was it's incredible I, I certainly could talk about this album i think for for a lot longer but i want to get to talking about your album uh so before yeah, we get sure. on to, before we get on to that i just want to uh make sure there's nothing uh that need to be said that's left unsaid in terms of maybe certain tracks on the album or just observations in general? Um, not really. I mean, the thing is I could talk about this record for a really long time, so (laughs) it's probably best to rein it in a little bit, but this, I don't know. I was just rereading some of the lyrics today and I was once again, just like in awe of some of his lyricism and anyone listening who might not be into him, I would just, I would be like, read the lyrics to Coming Up Roses and St. Ides Heaven because they're just so beautiful. I guess that's, yeah, that's all I want to say. Okay, yeah. And I did, I jotted down a lot of lyrics on this album or for this album. And actually, yeah, St. Ides Heaven, there was one that really struck me. Um Cause everyone is a fucking pro and they got mm-hmm. all, they all got answers from trouble. They've known. Cause everyone is a fucking pro and they all got answers from trouble. They've known. And they all gotta say what you should or shouldn't do. Though they don't have a clue. I wrote it down because I felt like that encapsulated one of the main themes. It kind of gets back to what you were saying too. Like he just wants to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like there's these themes that are kind of interwoven of wanting to be left alone, but at the same time feeling lonely and feeling misunderstood. Yes, absolutely. And I, I felt like that line got it that those themes more viscerally than than maybe other any line on the album. I totally agree. Yeah, he's kind of just like you guys. You guys don't have a clue what you're talking about. Like, I just want to do my thing (laughs) but also like he clearly you know i think every musician at least to a degree like they have something they want to express obviously they want some people to hear that you know but i feel like it's more of like the bullshit that comes along with the the music stuff that it can be really destructive for a lot of musicians like Mm -hmm. You know, I like I just feel like there's there's a lot of a lot of sad stories in music of of people getting taken advantage of or like people pressuring them to do things and like all the stuff like that. And it's just like it's so far removed from what like that actual like process of like writing a song by yourself in your bedroom or something, you you know, it's just a. But yeah, he totally like encapsulates that push and pull to me of that like 
classic trope, but I think he just wants to be left alone a lot more than, <laughs> than a lot of other people. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting di- dichotomy of like the expression of loneliness, but also like asking to be left alone, which is <laughs> cannot end well, which I mean, in his case, it, it didn't, you know, however he might have died. However, people, there's kind of different theories about it, but you know, it's yeah, still you don't have ending. to go very far on the internet to, to no. run into those theories. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah. And I think the lyrics are, are a great place to, uh, to wind that up for now. Um, but I, I don't think we're going to leave this completely behind because you yourself have alluded to the fact that there's through lines between his work and, and your work. And, and you said, particularly on your brand new album, I was due for a heartbreak. And I'd love to have you elaborate on that because I have to admit, I didn't see it as much other than the fact that compared to your other bands that this this album in parts does have a, a folkier sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe if you can elaborate a little bit on the specific ways that he's influenced this album. Yeah, I think like maybe not so much on the guitar playing because a lot of the songwriting, the guitar is pretty like straightforward chord wise and stuff, but definitely like the imagery and like lyric writing for sure. I mean, there's actually like, if I'm being completely honest, there's like lyrics I wrote where like later on I was like reading his lyrics and I was like, Oh, I kind of like pulled that from him a little bit, you know, (laughs) like, um, (laughs) for example, coming, coming up roses, he says, I'm a junkyard full of false starts. Um, that's the first line. And the, one of the first lines of my album is, uh, I'm trying to remember right off the bat. It's, um, let's see. <laughs> it says, playing ball with my heart will have me running on false starts. Which, like, ah. different, but, like, similar. I feel like he has a lot of like moon imagery, you know, and I gravitate towards that. And I also like, he he has kind of like unsettling imagery, which it might not be as present on this record now that I'm trying to think about like this, some of the tracks. Um, But I don't know, like the song Jefferson Highway on the new record, like the chorus is like, I see your eyes up in the velvet sky, moonlit lamps for passer by, for passersby. I see your eyes up in the velvet sky, moonlit lamps for passersby. Sometimes I smell the smoke on the breeze on the horizon. I said passersby's because. I was like, I'm not going to change it because I never say passersby. Like, that's the correct way to say it. But, like, I I was like, this is more conversational. It doesn't need to be grammatically correct. But, (laughs) but, you know, it's like the whole, like, moonlit lamps thing. I was kind of pulling from from his kind of, like, imagery. Um, Definitely. Oh, sorry. I just saw, like, a wasp flying up to my window. Stay out. Stay out. Um, but 
I got stung by a bee two days ago. Sorry, that's completely Ooh, off topic. Yeah, so you don't want to. In my armpit. <laughs> oh, that sounds <laughs> that painful. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, there was like an old man who saw the old whole thing happen, and he like immediately after it happened, he was like, he was like, quit worrying about bees and look at life. <laughs> Wow, that's uh, that's a little cosmic. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny that he like he like chided me immediately after I got stung by a bee. Like I was like I wasn't really that worried about them, but then I just got stung by one. I don't I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, might not have been about you at all. Yeah, I was like this has nothing to do with you. Like I don't or me really. I just closed my armpit on one. I don't know, <laughs> but um. There could could be a song in that, maybe. I know, right? I, I was thinking that. Just, you know, quit worrying about bees. Look at life. I, I feel like I could just even just tell the story in a song and it would be somewhat interesting. But, um, but uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think if there's any sort of obvious influence, it's more, like, present in, like, the lyrics. Um, same thing with, like, the song I was due for a heartbreak, I I guess. That's what it's called. Um, mm-hmm. like some of the lyrics I'm trying to think because I I'm really bad at just pulling my own lyrics off the top of my head um, but that song I really tried to use vivid imagery and um, like it's like here, let's see I'm going to pull it up Um, this song is like this one's a main break, you know, one of the breakup songs on the record. Um, but it's like the wind she offers little prayers to roots and twigs that built despair. I shake them in a fit of hope from shrines where I've hung the world unfair. Which is just like kind of like a vivid, you know, kind of, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I don't know if I'm doing a great job of describing this, but I think I just feel kind of silly when I'm reading my own lyrics, but. No, no, because I, no, it's, it's definitely making sense to me mm-hmm. because, and, and I'll just admit right here. And I've, I've said this on a lot of episodes. I'm a music first person. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um. You know, once you started explaining where these connections are in the lyrics, I'm like, oh, okay, that's why I kind of struggled to see see the connection because when I introduced myself to, to music I haven't heard before, um, and again, same thing with the Elliot uh, Smith album, it's always mm-hmm. just kind of like on the top level, you know, what's the melody and you mm-hmm. know what's the instrumentation? That's mm-hmm. what I'm, I gravitate towards first. Yeah, yeah, definitely the style of my album does not sound like Elliot Smith. It's very like kind of stylistically all over the place and um more poppy but um definitely lyrically there's 
there's a lot of influence there. I'm like a huge lyrics person though. Like I, it's not necessarily like the most important thing to me, but if a song has like bad lyrics, I am just like, you could have done a little better. (laughs) I'm like kind of judgmental about that. (laughs) Not that I think I'm like the best lyricist. I think I just like, I just spend a lot of time thinking about them and, if someone is good at writing music and then they also have like amazing lyrics, it's like next level for me. Like, like I really liked the um, Waxahachie St. Cloud album that came out in, I think it was 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're a, a Waxahachie I, fan. Uh, again, not very familiar with her. Okay. So. Well, her lyrics are like incredible. Like they sound like, like a, old-timey famous poet like they're really good and you hear the songs and they don't sound like they would necessarily be that lyrically complex i mean they're beautiful songs but the lyrics when you go and like just read them you're like this is a beautiful poem like this is amazing and it just takes it to the next level where you're just like wow you know so i'm definitely big on the lyrics but there's some more like newer songs I've been writing that probably sound a little bit more obviously influenced by Elliot Smith, but this, I mean, I have like a vast like musical influences. I feel like I listen to my, some of my friends make fun of me. They're like, you like everything. (laughs) (laughs) Not everything. I'm, I'm the things that I like, I passionately like, and I'm very can tell you exactly why I like them. So what would be an example of someone's music that you like that maybe you, you feel it's a little of a guilty pleasure or people give you crap about it? Um, The first one that I thought of is Matchbox 20. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because like the, the Barbie movie just came out and yeah. there's a scene involving Matchbox 20. Have you seen it? I haven't seen the movie, no. Okay. Well... A little spoiler, but I'm assuming most people who were wanting to see it have seen it. There's just a scene where there's like eight men all playing the song Push by Matchbox 20 on acoustic guitar around a campfire. And like the women are pretending that they love it to like get them to do what they get what they want from them afterwards. (laughs) And like, it's the funny, it's just like the funniest song to hear people play. Like just the, I wanna push you around. Like supremely like embarrassing music just generally speaking but i like love matchbox 20 because <laughs> i think well, I, you do a very good rob thomas thank like, you. i have to say you know i <laughs> i i am not discerning like i do i just love pop music generally and i grew up listening to like 90s pop rock like pretty much every 90s like pop hit I love for the most part there's a few I don't like but like I don't know I love like gin blossoms and goo goo dolls and like all that shit like was super influential on me I was just in my room with my like you know white and orange boom box like listening to these songs over and over again so Matchbox 20 not a great band but I love them Fair, fair enough. I've, I've got my, my share of, of those. Uh, so mm-hmm. I can understand. I, I want to uh, 
just ask you one more thing about this album and, and the progression towards it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and you alluded to this a little bit before in terms of um, the progression of your singing. And I found it a little bit surprising because you were saying, you know, you were very shy about singing. And yet when I go and I listen to, to mixtapes, uh, you're, you're singing, I think it's very, it's very bold, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's very assertive and seeming less so on this new album, mm-hmm. but there, there's definitely, I, I hear a lot of nuance and it's very expressive. Mm-hmm. So I, I could kind of understand what you were saying, but it does seem like, um, like your, your singing style has really changed or, or is it more just that you contain multitudes and, you know, you could, uh, you know, rock out some, some pop punk, uh, on a dime and, you know, or, or, or is it that, you know, that you've really changed your style? I think this one's a tricky question, which I like, I like the, the tricky questions, but when I first started singing, I, was singing kind of like I was saying before, like more like how I sing now, like I was writing kind of like folky songs. And I was writing some, some pop punk songs a little more along the lines of like, um, like mid two thousands, like pop punk influenced by like hardcore, like the wonder years and four years strong and stuff like that. Um, but I, when I started singing in mixtapes, I really liked how my voice sounded with that kind of music. Like I was really surprised because I was a self-conscious singer and, um, and there, I I even feel like I went through an arc with mixtapes where like when I first started playing with the band, my voice sounded a little bit more vulnerable. And then I like kind of went through a period where I was like trying actively to sound more punk or more like commanding have that kind of vocal delivery and if i'm being completely honest i kind of like wrecked my vocal cords trying to do that oh wow (laughs) like i because i really what like kind of became known for playing that style of music i think i just thought that that's what my voice sounds like that's like my natural tone and but I was like blowing my voice out all the time Mm. and I didn't know why. Um, This was before I like took singing lessons or anything like that. I actually didn't take vocal lessons until COVID. Um, Oh, wow. And that's probably also another reason for the shift in this album. But I like went to the doctor for something completely different, the ENT. And when they were doing a scope, they saw I had a lot of like nodules on my vocal cords which I didn't know what that was or what that meant, but they were basically just like, you've damaged your vocal cords um, probably from singing like technically incorrectly and over exerting my voice. And um, I also tend to be kind of like loud in social settings (laughs) and touring. It's also really easy to blow out your voice because you're in a loud club like every single night and you have to like, yell to be heard you know so I think with this there was like an adjustment period where I used to be able to do that with my voice even and now I there's some mixtape songs I can't sing anymore like the style that I was singing them back then and like what my vocal cords have been through 
it's really difficult for me to try and like replicate that in the same tone, you know? Um, and so it's been more recent that I took vocal. I, I took vocal lessons after I figured out about the nodules. And I also had to take speech therapy <laughs> to relearn oh, wow. how to, to speak in a way that's like better suited for my voice. So that's like a huge reason behind the shift in the, the singing style, I think on the record, but we used to also record in a really like polished manner with a lot of like punch ins with the vocals and stuff. And this record was more like organic with the way the vocals were recorded. Like we kind of just, we worked, I worked with a different engineer and we would do a few takes and we would piece some stuff together, but it was less about it sounding perfect, you know, and more about it sounding realistic to like what my voice actually sounds like. Mm -hmm. So I think my voice, I can belt, but it sounds a little and feels a little better when I'm doing this, like a softer singing style now, nowadays, at least. That's good. I mean, it's, you know, I would assume more sustainable and, yeah. uh, and, and the album sounds great. Uh, I love Thank it. You. Uh, you've written a bunch of beautiful songs and sing them beautifully. And it's, it's a great album. So, uh, you all are lucky that you now, like I said, you can go out and get it. Um, I also yeah. just curious, uh, uh, in terms of what the, the upcoming plans are, you've alluded to working on some new songs and I'm also just uh, curious too about, uh, well, where and if you're going to be performing the the songs on this album. Yeah, so I am doing a tour in October. It's October 23rd to November 4th. And it's going kind of like East Coast and Southeast down to the Fest in Gainesville um, and coming back up again. And that's kind of like an album album release shows alongside Endless Mike and the Beagle Club. I'm playing with them and they are celebrating like a re-release of their album, The Husky Tenor, which like Endless Mike and the Beagle Club is amazing if you've never listened to them. Um, so I'm doing that. And I also have an album release show September 22nd um, in Cincinnati. And it's at Northside Tavern and I'm playing with Wussy and... Paige Beller. Um, and yeah, I'm also playing in Philadelphia October 6th and 7th for the Don Giovanni like showcase, 20th, 20 year anniversary showcase. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's going to be super fun. I'm really excited about that show. Um, but most of that will be solo, but I am doing some full band performances. Like the record release show will be full band and we're planning some more full band shows for the end of the year next year, hopefully. Um, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just working on new songs and trying to trying to start working on a new album just cause it's wild how long it takes to release it. I mean, I started working on it in 2021. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, it does, does uh, take some time. So, uh, well, I'll be looking forward to that, but of course this album, just came out so uh, we don't have to be too impatient we got uh, a whole album of goodness uh, to to yeah, enjoy sure. and some some live dates uh, as well so uh, well i want to make sure people know where to keep up with you mora so i know you are on instagram at mora weaver uh anywhere else that people should be following yeah um i'm also on twitter i don't use it very much anymore but that's at 
ever ready with two R's and two Y's. Um, and yeah, I mostly post on Instagram about, about band stuff, but I'm going to have a lot of, a lot of stuff coming up. So including a music video, the day of my album Ooh. release. So that's fun. Well, that is exciting. And they, there are already a couple of videos out, uh, even before the album release, uh, that people can check out. So, yeah. uh, excellent stuff. So, and all this will be in the notes as well. Uh, and again, you can also follow me, uh, for the time being, uh, I'd like you more. I'm, Really not on Twitter much uh, anymore, but for the time being, uh, at Al Melchior BB, and then also the show has an account there at Yumi Album. Uh, but yeah, I, mostly on Instagram these days. So at Yumi yeah. Album on Instagram and Threads as well. Same. Um, all right. So excellent. Good to good to know. So uh, and again, all that information will be in the notes. So more Weaver, thank you so much. Congratulations on the new album, and I wish you the best of luck with that and the tour and everything else that's coming up for you. Thanks, Al. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah, this has been a blast for me. So I hope you all have enjoyed this as well. So uh, I'll be back again in another week with another guest and uh, another album. So until then, everybody, please do be careful and safe out there. And of course, definitely listen to some great music. Yeah.